Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. Fantastic. Well, let's get the man of God up to preach the word of God. Let's give it up for Andrew Nutbrown. I'm going to pray for you before we, uh, before we start. It's the ministry of the over six footers today, isn't it? The torment. I'm catching up, Lord. I should have put my heels on today. Let's pray for this man of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the chairman. We thank you, Lord, that he is a pillar and a father of this house, Lord Jesus. It's, uh, it's wonderful that he's getting to come and grace the pulpit this morning. We pray that you would anoint him and that you would fill him with the Holy Spirit and that he would preach tongues of fire today and lives would be changed in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So welcome. Um, I heard at the Chicks conference that it was said that the first thing that happens when you stand up to speak is the audience asks a few questions. Something about age, something about hair colour, and something about dress size. I'm 62. This elegant look is all natural and I'll keep my dress size to myself. Thank you very much. It's my secret, which isn't such a bad thing, really. And I actually think it's quite good to just link back to some of the things that have happened because, you know, the Chicks Conference was a, a fantastic event, a great event. And... While Kate and Ali are away, those of you who don't know, they're away on a sabbatical. I know that Ali talked about, in sort of one of the last sermons he gave, about we're not here to hang on, we're here to press on. We're here to move on. And I believe that the preaching at the Chicks Conference and that we've heard over the last few weeks is very much doing that. We are on the move. We're not waiting for them to just come back. We're longing for them to come back. Yes, a month has gone of their sabbatical, but we are here to go forward, to hear more from God. And one of the ways in the last few weeks that's happened is we've had sermons which have had little two-word titles. And, and actually, that's not just a gimmick. Um, it's not just something that Paul Clemens may have been doing ourselves. But it's, it's actually to help us remember what has been talked about. Because I know that in the half hour or so that I have this morning, I will use a lot of words, I will say a lot of things, and you will forget most of them. That is how conversation, how sermon, how communication works. We we sort of forget a lot of things that are said. And that's, that's sort of fine. That's the way that our minds work. But if you've got a title that you can remember, so in the week, you can go, 
I remember the title. So a few weeks ago, I talked about but God. But God, how Joseph said that his brothers intended something for harm, but God turned it for good. So, but God can be a theme in your brain, in your life, in your week that you can keep going. Paul Clem then spoke about, and it was a bit of a Yorkshire thing, but he didn't quite have the accent, did he? He was a bit like manufactured, because it was a Yorkshire thing. Now then. Now you see, it's got a, it's got a certain thing, a ring from God's own country. Now then, where God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross the River John. So get ready. If you've got things, God's got plans for you, you need to be ready, you need to move on. It's not a season to be sitting. Now, Joe Reed didn't stick with the pattern last week, but never mind. She talked about, and tried to make this a two, two grow, so when you grow, but it didn't quite fit. But this week we're back on the two word title, because I get to pick. And my theme this week, the two words I want us to look at are these things. These things. And these things is part of, a, part of a verse which I think is a very important verse. It's a verse which we put on the screen from the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And it says this, Finally, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about these things. You know, we have amazing minds. We have an incredible brain. I don't know what you're thinking this morning. I don't know what you're thinking this morning, but I know you are. I know that you are thinking. And Paul, when he wrote this letter to the Philippians, and we're just going to hang some things off this verse and look at a bit more of it. Paul knew the importance of your mind, the importance of your thoughts, the importance of working on thinking about these things, these things. It's difficult to measure how many thoughts we have. Some people say we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. That's about 25 million a year. Each and every one of you. That's a lot of thoughts. Our brain is thinking all of the time when we're awake. And sometimes when you wake up, 
I don't know if you do this one, you wake up in the night and you go, don't think about that, or you've thought about it, and then you're thinking, yeah. <laughs> How often do you do that one? Don said to me, are you awake? Yeah, I'm awake. Like, you know, you've thought, you've done it, haven't you? Whatever it is, and, and it, it sometimes can spiral, that sort of thing. And thinking and thoughts is something that can really take us in different directions. And again, Paul knew that when he wrote that. Thinking can take us in different directions. I was preparing this word before I realised that this week there was going to be the inquest, I don't know if you saw it in the news, about a young girl who was 14 years old, Molly Russell. Molly killed herself. She started down a path, a thought spiral, that took her and she was bombarded then by, with algorithms from you know, Instagram, Facebook and all those things. You know how it is when you look at something or you click on something or you think of something, it takes you on there. She went down a terrible, tragic spiral and she's not the only person because mental health, I think, is something that, again, we appreciate more. We should appreciate it more. We've tended to look at physical health but not so much about mental health. But again, Paul, when he wrote this book, and we think that this was written probably AD 62, so yeah, it's back just over 2,000 years ago. Paul was very aware of mental health. And the Bible, when you look at it, and you study it, and you rest on it, is full of references to our mind being so important. God wants to feed our minds, he wants us to address our minds, he wants us to have active minds and vibrant minds. And part of helping with that must be that we think about these things, those things that are worth, right and good to think about. I mean, one of the things that you might have had when you were at school, who, used to, who was at school and the teacher said, right, get your thinking cap on. Get your thinking cap on. In some schools, I, I think they actually had a cap. Not the Dunsey's cap, but the thinking cap. Where they used to say, right, you know, put your thinking cap on to get you really sort of thinking about probably, I don't know, some ridiculous maths. Sorry, Dad. Um, <laughs> some maths or physics or whatever, you know, all those sort of subjects that some people love, some people don't love so much, but whatever. So this morning, I'd like to get your thinking caps on. I'd like you to concentrate and focus and address your mind. So hopefully you can do that with me as we look at this topic. So this verse starts with a finally. Yep, it starts with a finally. And what that means is there must have been something before that. And in this book, if you think, well, okay, Andrew, this is all very easy, but, you know, how do I find some things that are true, noble, right, pure, whatever? I suggest you read the rest of Philippians. The book of Philippians is an absolute deluge of grace and doctrine and 
just, it's just inspiring. And it's not a very long book. It's four chapters, not very long chapters. You can read it in 10 minutes tops if you want. But obviously, we would like to think that there's more to dig into that. But if you just look at the book of Philippians, just look at the headings. If you've got your Bible and if you look at some of the headings, in there are lots and lots of verses and phrases that when you, you've probably heard them if you've been in church before, you've heard them, you've heard them preached. Because the book of Philippians is a book of joy. It talks about rejoicing. It talks about being joyful. It talks about doing God's work. It talks about no confidence in the flesh, but instead put your faith and your trust in him. So there's a huge amount of incredibly good these things material in this book, right from the start. So if you think, well, how do I find some things? You could do a lot worse than actually the book of Philippians itself. It is, as I say, a great book. It's written to a church. It's unlike some of the books of Paul, you know, as, as, as you will appreciate, yes, Paul wrote various letters to various churches. Some of them are quite heavy going. Some of them have got deep doctrine, deep theology. Sometimes Paul's having to tell people off. Sometimes Paul's obviously very frustrated. You know, he can see, almost sense from the page that he's, he's, pretty he's pretty unhappy with what's gone on. But his letter to the Philippians is a letter of joy. Having said that, Paul is in prison. Paul is in prison. So he is writing at a time when his liberty, again, has been taken from him. He is not in a great situation. So it's not a situation where you would say, well, Paul's in a great time, so it's easy for him to, to say, well, you need to, you, know, you need to address your mind. He was in a tough call. He was in a tough place. He was in prison, but he writes, and you can tell this from the letter, he writes, he loves the people in, in the church. He loves the way they've looked after him and looked out for him. He loves the way that they've cared and how they have followed the gospel. And he writes, if you like, all of these things about the, um, you know, the things that, yeah, I say, you can take you can take in terms of joy, in terms of teaching, and, and then he comes to this point where he says, finally. So finally, he says, think about things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable. Now, I would say, don't think that those are necessarily separate items. I think that they're a circle, if you think of them as a circle, because things that are true, are noble, are right, are pure, are lovely, and are admirable. And Paul is saying, those thoughts, those things will lead to peace, as we'll see as we, as we look through the verses. Because... This verse is topped and tailed with a verse about peace, which, which, which we will come to. Now, when it talks about 
think there's another slide coming. What we talk about is our thinking influences our action. Our thoughts turn into action. As I've said, we think what we do. We do what we think. Thoughts lead to action. If we think about things that are not true, noble and right and so forth, that's going to take us down a difficult path. We think about the things that we do. There's no question about that. Now, when this verse talks about thinking, it's a little bit more than just idle quick thoughts. What actually Paul is saying is you need to ponder. You need to meditate. The word in Greek is logizia, which means logic. So thinking about these things means ponder them, engage in them. I can even say meditate on these things. Because sometimes we get, we get the wrong idea about sort of meditation and that type of thing. Because some meditation involves, if you like, emptying your mind, emptying your brain, creating some space. Meditation here actually means engaging your mind and filling your mind and filling your brain with good things, right things, proper things. Our minds are meant to be vibrant and active. We were made to think and we were made to have all these things firing around. I, I don't understand the physics and the biology and all of those sort of things. But I am constantly amazed by how we are made. And I, I, you know, I will never get away from that. Occasionally you'll read something about some little chemical that we have or some little aspect of our body. And you just go, wow. You just go, that is amazing. And our brain, our mind is made by God to be amazing. To be amazing. And we should rejoice in that. We should absolutely encourage that. We are not meant to be not thinking. We are meant to be deep thinking. We are meant to be thinking about these things. Thinking about these things. Now, some people will say, well... I have trouble with my thinking. I can't change my thinking. You know, I'm in a pattern. I can't, I can't do anything about that. That's not what advertising and people like that will tell you. Advertising has changed a little bit over the years, it seems to me. Ad advertising... I mean, advertising is designed to make you think about something and to go and do something. Yeah? I mean, that is the purpose of advertising. It's meant to get you to buy, I don't know, a particular product or to go do a, a particular thing or think in a particular way. And advertisers, or these days, I believe the phrase is influencers. Yeah? We have influencers. People who do what it says on the tin. Influence get you to think in a particular way, 
get you to follow a particular lifestyle, get you to act in a particular way. When I was younger, most of that sort of thing was done like on the TV. Eh? I mean, because there was no escape, was there, from an advert on the TV? You sat on the watch the program, on came the advert, unless you went for a cup of tea or something, it was there. We, we've sort of changed that a lot. How many of us watch live TV anymore? How many of us now go, I'll start the program 15 minutes later, I'll watch it, because I don't want to watch the adverts. Because we sort of, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't want to waste time watching the adverts, sometimes people say. But the advertisers haven't gone, well, that's that then, we're out of business, what can we do? We can't influence people. What they have done is they have attacked your minds, if you like, in different ways. So you know as well as I, if you click on something on Amazon, yeah? Up come 10 things that you never knew you knew you needed. Is that right? You looked at this. Maybe you'd be interested in that. Yeah? Or how does it work? I mean, I can never work this out. I look at something and Dawn gets an email from something. <laughs> yeah? Yeah? So we have to be very careful what we look at, which is not a bad thing, actually. It's a very, very good check. It really is. We're talking about these things. Well, that's a very good check. But influencers, you know, they, so there are all the algorithms and artificial intelligence and all of that is aimed at that type of thing. They spend billions of pounds a year in getting you to change your thinking. And by changing your thinking, you will go and do something. You will go and buy a different item at the shops. You will go to a different shop. You will buy something of a particular brand. And I am not here at all in any sense saying that that's bad or that's wrong. It can go wrong. It can be very difficult. You know, people can get taken down the road. I'm not, I'm not here to preach against that at all. The point I'm making is they believe with some justification that they can change your thinking. They can make you think and therefore do things in a different way. And that's what Paul is saying in this verse. What Paul is saying in this verse is that by thinking on these things and using the examples that he has given, you can change the way you act. You can change the way you live. You can change the way you behave. No question about it. Paul is absolutely clear about that. That, that is where our proper thinking can take us. And if you don't right, believe me, then what Paul says is after this verse, he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. I think we should have that verse a couple of slides on. Paul speaks this way, writes this way in his letters. It's a real normal way that he does his letters. He lays something out. 
He explains something, something about grace or something about uh, a particular thing that we need, salvation, whatever it might be, and then says, go and do something. And that is the message of, of our church. We learn something, we do something. It's not a passive thing. And Paul says, do something. After you've thought, after you've used that, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. So this is something that Paul is saying you need to do, it needs to change. You need to put things into practice. It's not a case of, it's not a hypothetical, theoretical thing. The gospel is a practical thing. Put it into practice. And if you put it into practice, if you put it into practice, look at the promise. Look at the promise at the end of that. The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Many of us have turmoil in our lives. Many of us have joy in chaos. Joy in chaos, that's what we've sung. That's, that's life. What we are promised here is peace. Who needs peace? Peace. In a time of difficulty and chaos where we can run away with ourselves, Paul is saying, think on these things and find peace. Find peace. The God of peace will be with you. And if you go to the verse before, there's something else that links with that. Because the peace of God comes from the God of peace. The peace of God that's talked about in verse 9 comes from the God of peace, which is in verse 7. Because verse 7, which is a verse I think that's quite well known, many of us know this, says this. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, but it also will guard your mind. Your mind. Your mind needs peace. Your mind needs protection. Paul was acutely aware of it. If you look at the in Ephesians, the armour of God, what does Paul talk about? He says your mind needs to protect your helmet of salvation. Your mind needs to be protected, but it needs to grow. You need to think on these things so that you can find peace. You can go and do things and you can have peace in your heart. Peace that God gives. Peace various instructions, passes understanding, transcends understanding, peace that we just can't explain. Who needs that? Who would look for that? Who wants that reward? And Paul is saying, apply your mind. Think on these things, and by thinking on these things, that will take you into peace 
gift of God from the God of peace. Amen? So, as I bring this into a final, final slide, that means you need to make a start. You need to make a start. I said at the beginning, you will forget most of what I said. And don't be embarrassed, you will have done. What I said 25 minutes ago, I'm not going to test you as you leave the door or anything like that. Don't worry about it. It's it, because it's, it, it, again, our minds work this way. We screen things, we listen to things, we hear things. But what I want you to remember is these things. If you can think of these things as a trigger, then you can make a start. Then you can make a start to working your way into those things and finding that peace. Just before I came out uh, this morning, I think the London Marathon was starting. You don't run a marathon without taking a, making a start. Well, you shouldn't anyway. I think that's probably the way. Yeah? You need to make a start. You need to take some steps. Paul maps out here and I've set out for you, I think this morning, a way that we can think about these things. We can take those things, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is noble, whatsoever is right, pure, lovely and admirable. Those things, those things will bring you to the peace of God. The peace of God that passes understanding. And I know that many people here are looking for that, are needing that, are finding that a bit difficult. And so we're going to sing our final song. We're handing over Simon. And after, you can make that start. You can say, I need to make a start. I know that my thoughts are all over the place. I haven't got things under control. I don't quite know how to deal with this. Think on these things and find God's peace for our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen.